0: some Price for Tuesday, November 28th, 2023. Coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center. Downtown Vancouver. If you're heading to a game this week or beyond concert, why not make it a staycation? Call the wall. 604-331-1000. Matt Sakaris, alongside Blake Price. Grady Sass, Hidden Switches, conducting things in this show. A presentation
1: of Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Auto Group would love to invite you down to Applewood Mitsubishi in the Richmond Auto. I've had the pleasure of driving the Mitsubishi Outlander for a while right now. You too. I I shouldn't be the only one to enjoy this. Go check out the Outlander. Rates from 4.99% for the gassers. uh, Plug-in hybrids available on factory order as well. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today asking you, will Andre Kuzmenko
0: reach 20 goals this season? He currently has three. Yes or no, vote. At Sikerson Price on Twitter and YouTube. And Andre Kuzmenko getting back into the lineup against the Anaheim Ducks on Tuesday. So a two-game benching. The coach had plenty to say about him at Monday's practice. We'll get you some of that commentary in the moment. First of all, Blake, I voted Yes. I think if he continues to play with Patterson and continues to p- get power play looks, although Ronick on the power play seems to have some helium right now, I do think he gets to twenty. It's only seventeen
1: in sixty games. He needs to score at a twenty-four goal scorers pace from yeah. here on in. That which is very doable. not a super very high bar. Doable. I w- I'm going to say yes as well. Yeah, but I don't. I mean, twenty-five to me is the sweet spot. Does he get to 25 mm-hmm. goals? Like that's then that, why didn't we ask 25 on the poll? Well, because nobody really uses 25 as a really? benchmark, do they? No. No. You're a 20 goal scorer, you're a 30 goal scorer. Uh, okay. Yeah. E's and O's. <laughs> it's not an E or no. Big list for tomorrow. Oh, I see. Okay.
0: Uh, here's Rick Talkett yesterday, and look. He bit his tongue in San Jose on Saturday, said he was going to address that later. He had his early goes at Kuzmenko and then talked about the whole line. Now that he's put him back in station and committed to him, recommitted to him once again, he he gave you a fuller explanation yesterday, Canucks fans, on what he needs to see from Andre Kuzmenko, uh, starting with just picking it up.
2: Well, when the puck's out in the new zone, you got to hustle back, you know, to, to be an option. You know, it's just, you know, um, you the know, middle drive guy, you, you know, uh, pucks around the wall. you got to get him out in certain situations. I think those are the little things that, you know, I value around here. It's not about just scoring goals. If you're not scoring goals, that's fine. You, goal scorers are going to go through slumps. I don't care if he scores. Yeah, sure, you want him to score. But it's not just Koozie. It's everything. It's the little things that matter. And uh, the, that's, a, that's part of our staples, and he has to understand that's a – that's the Bible for us around here. And they're very important.
0: Yeah. Those are the uh, little details that talk had talked about that were missing in his game, but on a more macro level. And, and, uh, you'll hear here, they, they sat down with them, did some video work, you know, the coaches, they love their video work. Take a listen.
2: You no, know, I'm not picking on him, but you know, he's got to, he's got to get his game a little bit more sharpened up, you know, um, you know, it's not about last year. You know, it's about this year for us. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that needed a reset. You know, worked with him on a few things, some video. Um, I thought he I thought he had a good practice today. You know, that's what I'm looking for tomorrow.
1: And I'm glad that he, that he had a good reaction to it. Kuzmenko mm-hmm. did. Um, we'll I hear th- more about that in a second. I, I don't know that you want to go to the well too many times, though, expecting a good reaction from a player that's already scored 39 goals in the in the league. But it sounds like the – we were able to flesh that out with him as to what needs to improve going forward. And look, as we surmised,
0: it's not about the lack of goal scoring here, which is down, but isn't the issue with Tockett. It's neutral zone play, it's wall work, it's little details. And, you know, he would go on to say at yesterday's, at Monday's press conference that those are the hallmarks of playoff teams that he's less concerned about, you know, the goal scoring. He thinks the goals will come, but it's about the little details that separate good teams from bad teams. And he, you know, straight out said it, It it's 39 goals last year. Great on a team that was desperately out of the playoffs. So, you know, looks good on a stat line, certainly looks good in contract negotiations but it rings pretty hollow for the people whose job it is to make sure the organization wins. Lastly, he was asked about potentially losing Kusmenko because of the benchings. Take a listen.
2: Listen, if he's sitting in my office saying, hey coach, you're crazy, you know, I'm playing great. And then we got issues. Um, you know, he knows he's not playing well. And he and so, I, no, I don't. I mean, we, I've gone through it. You know, we've all gone through it. So you got to look and, you know, you've got to self-evaluate. And how do you get better? So, no, I, losing a guy, you know, I don't think you're going to lose a guy that wants to get better. I, I don't think.
0: And he's a pretty happy-go-lucky guy, as we know, Kuzmenko. And he took the benching from Bruce Boudreau last year well and came back strong. Uh, I do wonder if he was on a shorter leash with Tockett because I don't think Tockett particularly loved his... Uh, Bali off-season adventure.
1: Um, I do wonder if there's anything residual from that. I, I mean, I, I I don't think so. I think, I, I mean, if you're tested fitness-wise and you're mm. passing all those fitness tests, I mean, that's, that's all that really matters. I mean, not like a lot of other guys are in competitive hockey-like situations through the summer. Mm-hmm. The key thing through the summer is strength and fitness. And I think that, yeah, well, I mean I think you want to work
0: on your game as well, but yes, yeah, strength.
1: But he was here is- to work on his game in August when everybody else was. I mean, you're not working on your game to any great degree away from the on-ice things. I mean, an individual skill like a shot like Quinn Hughes not shooting a thousand pucks a day or something like yeah. that in June? No. Uh, maybe, but I mean mm-hmm. I don't think we're wondering where Kuzmenko's shot has gone. Like that's no. not the criticism here. It's gameplay and you can't work on game you can't play. replicate wall work in no, the summer no no you can't so his his yeah. needs need to be done during actual gameplay now by the way he also did go on talk it to say he doesn't want to change the player he's okay with his creativity mm-hmm. offensively and he even he made the joke that he wants to try a spinorama going 1v1 versus a player down the wing by all means Mm-hmm. But he doesn't want to be him doing the spinorama 1v1 as the last man back, you know, and in in the wrong situation, to a situation that requires a dump-in, that's right. not when you do it. So he's just asking him to play smarter and play a little bit harder. Where are you, because I see this comment creeping up now amongst Canucks fans,
0: where are you on the notion that Andre Kuzmenko is not a Rick Talkin type of player, They brought in Tockett last year when they did to get an evaluation of the players that were there. And they should have realized that Kuzmenko and Tockett may not have been a fit and traded Kuzmenko at the deadline where, of course, he would have reaped a handsome return given the... Cheap contract that he was on, tracking towards a 40 goal season.
1: I, I hope that's not the case because I and, and I certainly know that it, that has absolutely happened in this league, in this city, even in years gone by, where coach shows up, makes a snap judgment on a player, and that player will never be different in that coach's eyes. Like that happens all the time in sport and in this sport in particular. I, I, I've seen enough sort of, um, Open-mindedness from Rick Tockett that I hope that's not the case here, mm-hmm. but it's certainly a risk. Where yeah. you know you, you make you get a first impression on a player, and sometimes, and, and I think it's human nature to some degree, you have to convince yourself that you're open-minded about a player. Otherwise, you're just going to fall back to the original assumption on the guy. And I, I hope that's not the case here because Kuzmenko has been in this league for 14 months. What about Ethan Bear? you think he's a talk like player. Uh he played well in your talk talking last year. Mm-hmm. So, um and and I think as a, I think it, that's going to be far more a management call of uh Rick, we can't make any other moves right now. There's no other reasonable move available to us to bring in true national hockey league right shot depth. Mm-hmm. So this is the move we're making. Yep. So I don't think it's I don't think it's Rick's. So call. we're
0: about a quarter of the way through the season and we should um advised everyone at this and there was a good example today with Patrick Kane signing with the Detroit Red Wings. So I believe Kane carries a cap hit of 2.75 million but is going to make about 2 million in actual cash and the reason being is because he has missed 20 games of the Detroit Red Wings season. The same would apply to Ethan Bear. So let's say the Canucks sign Ethan Bear. Let's call it a 2 million dollar Deal two million dollar cap it bear would reap three quarters of that based on the time. If walks. you sign today, yes, yes. Yeah, but yeah, that's, not, yeah, not that's if you that. sign it. Yeah. So, or you know, if we're closer to the forty game mark at the end of December, although it may well be so in the, the middle there. And of course, Ethan Bear is free to sign with anyone. So you you do wonder as you you know watch the National Hockey League on a nightly basis and you hear of more and more defensemen getting hurt, particularly right shot defensemen. You know how in demand Ethan Bear is because, as you say, the ability to add experienced NHL right shot defense depth isn't exactly there outside of Ethan
1: Bear with zero asset cost. Well, that's it, just so, as a pure signing. Um So you, what you have to do is hope the player understands. Like the player might have it in his mind eye. Mind's eye. It's a half a season. I still want to make a you know one point three this year. Well, then you're asking that team to take on a $2.6 million cap hit. So it might seem reasonable in Ethan Bear's mind to say, I'm worth this for, for 50 games of the season. But it costs the team a lot more in terms of cap space. So it becomes a bit of a dance in the negotiations there. And it makes the teams at the top of the cap structure, like the Canucks, a lot more wary because they know that they they get a little less bang yeah. for the buck, if you will, on the cap hit.
0: Uh, big game Tuesday against the Anaheim Ducks. Vancouver was 4-0 last year against Anaheim, who had a great start, but has
1: now come crashing down to earth. Which, by the way, is a good lesson on what regression can look like. Yes, you know, like, very much so. Like the, hey, can, look. the Canucks regression has been very palatable. The Ducks has not been.
0: Uh, it looks like uh, Phil DiGiuseppe may be the odd guy out here. And so some of the tough love could well continue from Rick Talkett. Giuseppe hasn't been great since the opening 10 games. In fact, the coach, uh, you know, uh, vowed yesterday he's not going to be quiet very long if they continue to have these sort of middling efforts where you don't get, you know, three full periods, 60 full minutes, where you follow a good game with a couple of lackadaisical periods. So the Vancouver Canucks, this is the bounce back game because, of course, there are bigger fish to fry later this week. Thursday, we get our first look at the defending Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights. And it pains me to say that sentence, everybody. Uh, And the Vegas Golden Knights, of course, first place in the Pacific Division, entering Tuesday's play with 31 points In 22 games, their 7.05 winning percentage is the second best in the Western Conference behind Colorado and the fourth best in the National Hockey League. Vegas also an impressive 6-3-2 away from home, although they have been very ordinary in the last 10 at 3-5-2. And then on Saturday, you're in Calgary to face the Flames on a hockey night game, and lo and behold, look at this. It is a weak sister Western Conference this year, but the Calgary Flames have moved into playoff position. The second wild card with a 9-10-3 mark through 22 games, 21 points, and one win better than the Seattle Kraken. Now St. Louis, Nashville, Arizona all have games in hand against Calgary in chase position, and if they were to win those games in hand... Would leapfrog Calgary, so it's sort of a, a miragey playoff spot. L- last for the year's Flames Canucks right are thinking we could have done yeah. that, <laughs> but but here's the thing, and particularly if you are eyeing any of those Flames defensemen, and particularly if you were eyeing some of those yeah. defensemen earlier in the season, then Calgary being below the playoff line. And more attuned to their future as opposed to their present may well be a good thing. Chris Taniff ate a puck last night. We know how he plays with reckless abandon. Then there's Nikita Zadorov, who has requested a trade, told Calgary he will not be re-signing there. So uh, interesting stuff this week with one team that's already facing some desperate hockey and one team, of course, that is the barometer right now in the National Hockey League and the western the flames are going to they
1: they're, they're going to wait this out. They're going to see exactly where they go with the, their next few games and and yeah. and even the Edmonton Oilers too, back-to-back wins and mm-hmm. you know they're with you could see them getting to uh flirt with 500 in the not too distant future. You need so. to see
0: more out of Edmonton from a uh goal
1: prevention point of view to think of them as back because oh they're not back no i mean they're no i i need to see them where calgary is flirting with exactly yeah f- f- be right there at the playoff bar and then i think
0: you know everybody looks around and goes uh-oh behold edmonton because big david has picked up the pace here of late and leading more and more to speculate that he was playing through something earlier in the season much like we're speculating right now about Elias Patterson playing
1: through some Three teams with winning records in the Pacific Division. Three. Three. Uh, I mean, as we talked about yesterday, the top of the Pacific
0: is really good. It's good. Yeah. It's just I think many felt the division had a little more depth than this. In fact, uh, I saw a lot of people thinking there would be five playoff spots out of the Pacific because they didn't think very
1: much of the Central Division. Just by contrast, Heading into the, the fifth-place team in the Atlantic is the Leafs at 10, 6, and 3. They're mm-hmm. in fifth. Yeah. <laughs> like, that doesn't seem fair. They're probably wondering well, if and, they can and, transfer.
0: And the other things, and look, San Jose won again last night, and and so they're a little bit better. But just look at the goal differentials in the Pacific. Calgary minus 11, Seattle minus 16, Anaheim minus 15, Edmonton minus 8. San Jose minus fifty four. Oh, yeah. I mean, all the red numbers uh, below the playoff bar
1: for these Pacific division teams is unsightly. So but again, back to the Atlantic but for uh, for comparison. Only two teams no, are in the negatives. Exactly, six teams in the positive. Well, even in throughout gold the
0: East, like Pittsburgh's exactly five hundred ten and ten. They're plus eleven in goal. Yeah. Differential. So uh, if in fact PDG misses, um, anticipating Beauvillier with Miller and Besser. So that's uh, quite a promotion for Anthony Beauvillier, whose production was waning earlier in the season. And then um, I think you want to see what Nils Amon does back here on home ice after a very nice season debut with the Seattle Kraken, followed by kind of a no-show in San Jose. Lafferty back as a bottom sixer on the wing with Oman getting the um, nod at center ice, and then uh, Joshua Bluger-Garland, who have had some moments as well. We speak to John Shannon a little later in the program, and one of the topics discussed is Corey Perry. Now, we recorded John before this segment, and we can now update you that the Chicago Blackhawks have released a Statement here on Corey Perry. After an internal investigation, the Chicago Blackhawks have determined that Corey Perry has engaged in conduct that is unacceptable and in violation of both the terms of his standard player contract and the Blackhawks internal policies intended to promote professional and safe work environments. As such, Corey Perry has been placed on unconditional waivers (laughs) excuse me, in the event Mr. Perry clears waivers, we intend to terminate his contract effective immediately.
1: Which, you know, I I had wondered why this um, measure had not been taken already. Um, I guess they wanted to, you know, finish their investigation into it or thought that maybe there was the off chance that he was going to be tradable and maybe found out that that was not the case. But this has always been, I mean, if it was... So rash to bench a guy who was enjoying a renaissance season, and we're talking about a 50 goal scorer in his in his history, an MVP, a league MVP he, at one point. I mean, if you're doing that, it clearly was pretty serious. Mm-hmm. So this was always a possibility for Corey Perry in my mind, and to me, I mean, it's it's forwarding the story, but it's it's not really casting that much more light on it, in my opinion. Um, it just sort of. Takes the Blackhawks out of the equation. Conduct there. that is unacceptable. Very broad, but but,
0: but no, but this part is spe- more specific. In violation of both the terms of his standard players' contract and the Blackhawks' internal policies intended to promote professional and safe work.
1: But that's all in the eye of the beholder, right? So it's all challengeable. That's how they see it. Well, yeah, fair enough, but. I mean, I mean, look,
0: there there are some salacious things out there uh, with regards well, to this matter. Well, to me, it the, would the, not
1: be in violation of the standard players' contract. I think you can interpret it in any number of ways, but my, my my biggest worry with the with the crazy rumors out there is I don't think this statement is going to calm them down at, at all. Like if they were hoping that this was sort of gonna pour water on this, I, I don't see this pouring water on this at all. Well, except fact, if they specify
0: it's in violation of the standard players' contract, then it's something that
1: is in that document, something that that document covers. But again, you can interpret that incorrectly if you want, right? You can just you can just say that it doesn't it doesn't have to be true, and you will see if Corey Perry challenges it. People sue each other sue each other sure. all the time without any legal grounds, Matt. It, it, you can make any claim you want. It doesn't mean that it's actually well, supported. That's,
0: that's a specific document that, well, they're. Uh, I mean, there's certain things that covers and certain
1: rule of law. Oh, is a pretty specific I, I, document I too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't dispute there could be some gray areas there, but
1: oh, I, I see no further light. To me, I this is just like okay, next chapter. But mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, I would think that Corey Perry has something to say on this. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. We'll see.
0: Well, this would be an ignominious end to a terrific career if that's it for Corey.
1: Perry. I
0: mean, we'll we'll, we'll see. If Not to mention, fact,
1: probably the l- worst possible to. case for Connor Bedard's first season in the NHL, from the local perspective. Like, Connor Bedard, they yeah. wanted to surround this guy with veterans to support his first year in the NHL. Well, two of the guys they brought in, with the hopes of playing with him, Taylor Hall's
0: out for the year with an ACL, and Corey Perry's having his contract terminated. Like, worst case scenario here. Mm-hmm. You know, but here's the thing. Um... The Pittsburgh Penguins became aware early in Sidney Crosby's rookie year that there were influences around him that they didn't think were constructive and they moved to get rid of those influences because Sidney is the franchise. Yeah. And Connor Bedard is the franchise there. So everything you do as the Chicago Blackhawks needs to be to support, insulate, prop up Connor Bedard. Yeah, I mean and nearing 40-year-old veterans are not are very disposable if they're in the way of as constructive and productive a relationship as you can muster with Connor Bedard.
1: Further to my point, Eric MacRamela says the team has a high legal standard to meet to terminate Corey Perry's contract and not pay him what it's owed. It would need to be something very serious, and that was what I was meaning is that like you can't just frivolously Im- 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 invoke this. No. Like it's got to be buttoned down or you're going to get a real big pushback by the player and the, and the association. So, and it'll be grieved. So it, to me, this is a pretty aggressive play by the Hawks um, because I think the Hawks probably have it within, the, within their bounds because of their history, recent history, to just to blame it on internal policies. And and you know, but they're trying to get out of paying the player too. Which is odd. I mean, what's he making for the remainder of
0: this year, Blake?
1: They could have just stared him down and say, We are not never playing you again, so your choice on what to do or we can put I you mean, on any conditional most, waivers. Most
0: organizations of this kind of financial wherewithal just pay to make problems go away and four million dollar want... cap it. Yeah, so so what, they own like- uh, Well,
1: is he, he's got bonuses potentially. He has $2 million in bonuses. Well, it's a $4 million cap hit. What is it in cash? A $2 million base salary.
0: Right. And
1: $2 million and was, in bonuses. Well, it was a
0: signing bonus, so he's he's collected that already. Yeah. So it was $2 million over the full course of the season. You're uh, a quarter of the way
1: through the season, so- So you're only saving. That's a million and a half. Yeah. Like, you, you don't even have to- What, what? You could just say, we're never playing you, and you save a million, by, and you and you don't have to do this. Well,
0: but also, you don't have the player coming, like, th- this may not be over. No.
1: No. It's, a, it's
0: again, why, my point. Why, why you? wouldn't you pay a million and a half to make this go away and be over? Yeah. I guess would be my question. Yeah. I mean, that may not be the most principled or noble, but that's how rich people do it all the time. Right here's your check. Go away.
1: Yeah, the PA has the option to to grieve it um, if they think that it's worth grieving. We'll see.
0: <laughs> and again, I'm I'm, I'm going to be interested to hear how they characterize conduct that is unacceptable and in violation of the standard players contract contract. Yeah, it's because you know to say he didn't meet our internal policies is one thing. Yeah. But they're actually saying he violated something in the players contract. And
1: again, these CBAs have been negotiated for decades now to protect Mm -hmm. the players and make sure that teams can't just willy nilly frivolously do this. So it's a strict set of criteria. uh,
0: Boy. And um, if you're Connor Bedard, you know, this was never going to be a winning or a playoff season, I think you would have been just as happy to sort of retreat into the, you know, draft lottery odds discussion, put up a ton of points, and call it a day with your first NHL season. Uh, Instead, this now turns into quite a uh, asterisk on Bedard's rookie campaign. Yeah, it absolutely does. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, should mention one more change for the Canucks tonight: Cole McWard for Mark Friedman on the right side of defense. And so, the young man, the free agent from Ohio State University last year. Notice I didn't give it the the designation that those Buckeyes insist on. Mm. You normally you do. Right? Well, you lose to Michigan three straight years. Oh, you I'm don't excited. get it anymore. Okay. Lowercase T. Uh, this will be Cole McWard's first NHL game this season. Of course, he played five last year and scored a goal for the Vancouver Canucks, as well as making it to the final cut in preseason. And, of course, having a fair bit of run with Quinn Hughes <laughs> during the course of preseason. Remember, they were going defense by committee? Yeah. Like a, re- a revolving door of defensemen beside Who uh, could possibly play uh, with beside Quinn Hughes? Quinn Hughes? Yeah. Well, uh, by happenstance, by Carson Soucy's injury, they, uh, they put that Roenick guy with it. It's, uh, it's worked out. On to football. And I hope both of you watched that thrilling Monday nighter front to back yesterday. Oh! Couldn't help but think. How about those Chicago Bears and a dramatic last second win? Oh, I thought you were talking about how terrible the game was. What are you talking about? That was, there was a castle, oh, buddy. There was a game last. 12-10. Night. Right. Bears beat the Vikings. It's like the eleventh or twelfth straight Monday night game to go under all field goals for the visitors. Road win. Justin Fields huge completion. Okay. For the rest, to of, D.J. Us, for the the rest of us. D J. Moore in the two minute drill.
1: I, I was watching it as with my son as we cooked dinner, and I, I was like, "Can you believe the NFL this year?" I said, "They, they can't score touchdowns." No. I said. You know, like it was, it was three nothing middle of the second uh-huh. quarter. I, I was like, he's like, what do you mean? I said, it's three nothing in the middle of the second quarter. Shout out to Cam and Kyla and all those great Vikings <laughs> fans at the Pemberton
0: who oh thought Josh God. Dobbs was going to be the season's salvation. And you and I have both had a number of um, items over the last few weeks. Well, really, all NFL season about. When Team X does X, Y, and Z, they've never lost. Or when Team X does, mm-hmm. you know, one, two, three, they never. Won. Another one from last night in Optostats. The, the Bears are the only NFL team in the Super Bowl era to win a road game despite scoring no touchdowns, having 75 plus penalty yards, and losing multiple fumbles. Road teams were a combined 0 46 in the Super Bowl era when doing all that. Regular season and postseason in games before Monday.
1: So that's all that needs to happen for the Chicago Bears on a weekly basis. I
0: think that's an indication of just how dreadful the Vikings were last night. Oh, okay. Yeah. And just
1: how dreadful that game was last night. And again, another primetime spotlight game Mm -hmm. showing Mm -hmm. nothing. Well, on to Thursday with the Seahawks and (laughs) Yeah, which Dallas, which honestly, which if it's a game in the second half, you know, well done, Seattle. It does have the makings of a much better game unless Dallas clobbers that's, which is possible. Yeah.
0: And then how about this from Pro Football Talk? For 43 years, the NFL did not have an in-season firing of a first-year head coach, and over the past three years, there have been three. Urban Meyer did not last the year in Jacksonville in 2021. Nathaniel Hackett did not last the year in Denver last year. And then Frank Reich with Carolina this year. Now, the Carolina owner, David Tepper, did do a press conference today, and good on him for being transparent and accessible well, and available. they shut
1: down the press conference midway and, when the questions got tough. Yeah. They whisked him away. <laughs> He's saying too much. Yeah. He acknowledged
0: the team was going to trade up to number two in last year's draft and select, I guess, this year's draft, and select C.J. Stroud, the Ohio State quarterback. But because their front office was unanimous, they went all the way up to number one, the trade with Chicago, to select Bryce Young, the Alabama Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback. Although Frank Reich had given indications that he was Stroud over Young. And um, Tepper is also uh, confident in that selection. Still, oh, does not regret it.
1: No, no he wouldn't bring that up mm-hmm. if
0: he. Uh, no, What? No,
1: of course not. Yeah, Bryce probably doesn't feel great. I mean, about this his is another Wall Street master
0: of the universe who thinks he his brilliance extends to other fields. Yeah, shockingly, I, I think that's what we've come to uh,
1: figure out here about David Tepper. One thing that sports has taught us is that. Um guys that got rich doing X. Yeah. Uh it doesn't apply well, to this chosen sport. But
0: uh, I will say this the self-made ones who get to billions, I can understand the affliction. It's the heirs of self made billionaires. Right. Who think they hit a triple. Those are the ones that I'm a little more cautious of. Lastly, uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame semif- semifinalists announced for the class of 2024. Antonio Gates and Julius Peppers as first year eligible players made the cut. Former Seahawk Ricky Waters is there, and I know it's been a long, long time, but we're looking at some classes here that maybe don't have the huge number of great first ballot no doubters. And so you do wonder, Eddie George and Tiki Barber, a first-time semifinalist amongst the running backs. Uh, The defensive end class is pretty good. Peppers, Jared Allen, Dwight Freeney, and Robert Mathis, the two Colts bookends from their Peyton Manning Super Bowl year. Six wide receivers, Anquan Bolden, Steve Smith Jr., Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, Torrey Holt, and Hines Ward. It has been a very difficult calculation with wide receivers over the years based on the way the numbers have gone and more modern with more modern candidates, but I would suspect you get at least one of those wide receivers. I think Gates is for sure because he was one of the great pass-catching tight ends of all time. I think Peppers probably makes it two all-around defensive end. And then there are the Harrisons. Rodney, the safety, James, the outside linebacker. Our old friend Sherane Williams said there was a concerted effort to get more safeties in the hall. She's on the committee. Uh, the committee felt it was a underrepresented position, so you wonder if Rodney Harrison, of course, Chargers, Patriots, and now a um, television broadcasting career, and then Devin Hester, who would be the first, you know, returner or mainly returner to get in. He holds a lot of records, and I do think the committee at some point is going to say, "Hey, that's a position too, and we don't have any representation." So, be interesting to see uh, how that shakes down. Also, love what NFL Network now does with the Hall of Fame knocks where they surprise these candidates at home typically with a knock on the front door with the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, um, executive and a player or friend who was important to their career. There are some incredible emotional scenes when those Hall of Fame knocks take place. It's a great way to do it. Every other sport should just take a page and replicate it. Know, yeah, the call is so know,
1: impersonal. The the exactly, NHL call on a exactly, speakerphone, exactly. like exactly
0: not the same. Like set it up with his missus or his mom or his kid yeah, or whomever. An insider, exactly.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, make sure they're home at a given hour, and then show up in person and deliver the news. Uh, it's terrific theater. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by Greta Greta on Cordova, fantastic place to watch the games in season playoffs. And into the offseason, we'll be joined by John Shannon, our Tuesday regular here, and we talk about the Vancouver Canucks, Kuzmenko, Tockett, Patterson, get into NHL matters, including the curious case of Corey Perry in Chicago, Patrick Kane, and where go with the Minnesota Wild from here after a coaching change? Hashtags the best and worst of Twitter, featuring uh, Ryan Gald getting snubbed and some news about the Toronto Blue Jays and Seattle Mariners plus uh, the BC Lions they got a big announcement coming up in advance of their offseason work with a uh, well a list of free agents that's um,
1: quite uh, significant guys they have to get re-signed. reminder too if you want to unleash the darkness with the new Nation Gear blackout collection Time is running out. Embrace the bold and gear up with the all-new styles, the exclusive line, only available for a limited time. And don't miss out on grabbing your favorite team's gear and the baddest styles available. It's a perfect gift for your favorite fan as well. Order before December the 10th, and you can put your presents under the tree as well. So uh, also, if you spend 200 bucks, you qualify for free shipping. Go to nationgear.ca.
0: to care some price from wall center presentation applewood auto group hashtags is the best and worst
1: of twitter.com like price lead us off uh the darling of hashtags joe bump leon yeah he is good follow this sports illustrated story is wild <laughs> is it ever the tldr too long didn't read is that they bought ai generated headshots created fake writer profiles So they could publish AI-generated content and make it look real. They then deleted the content. When asked about it, super sad. SI used to be the best. Uh, Writers like Drew Ortiz and Sora Tanaka Mm. are not actual people, despite the headshots and bios written on the Sports Illustrated websites. They are AI pictures. They are AI content. They are AI Life stories, Matthew. Yeah, and
0: I saw uh, Sports Illustrated's parent company responded to this and said the articles in question were product reviews and were licensed content from an external third-party company, Advan Commerce. A number of the Advan e-commerce articles ran On certain Arena websites, Arena is the parent company of SI. We continually monitor our partners and we're in the midst of a review when these allegations were raised. Advon has assured us that all the articles in question were written and edited by humans. Great. Uh, (laughs) According to Advon, the writers, editors, and researchers create and curate content and follow a policy that involves using both counter plagiarism and counter AI software. Who knew such a thing? On all content. However... We have learned that Advon had writers use a pen or pseudoname in certain articles to protect author privacy, actions we don't condone, and we are removing the content. The editor-in-chief of Futurism quote-tweeted that, saying, Arena repeatedly didn't respond to requests for comments. They have yet to demonstrate human work. Their entire, quote, investigation is, we asked our third-party provider and not, we got proof from our third-party provider.
1: Yeah, I mean, the like if they're advertorials written
0: by AI and are presented as such, it's a little less creepy and slimy. If you're actually trying to create
1: AI reporters, that's a whole other right leap. That, and it sounds like the answer is more towards that. Um, at Props Kyle, who's a uh, head of partnerships at Playmaker and Better Collective says nearly every blue chip media publisher has been doing this for the last several years. Not sure why SI would have been singled out. Even a lot of AP sports news has been AI generated for years, which Joe then responds and says, posting out generated game previews with a disclosure is entirely different than knowingly. Fabricating writer photos and bios in an attempt to deceive writers, and that's a yes. And, a, and, and that's the other thing is that creating fake people is wrong. Yes, <laughs> and, and you remember and you've seen what the APY used to look like and what you know. Game yes. game previews are a uh, a very dark and unsatisfying thing to write. For AI to write like the two paragraph game mm-hmm. preview, not the end of the world at all. Canucks were four zero against the Ducks last year. You're right, Here's who's
0: on their injured reserve. Scoring yeah. leader is
1: this for this team, this for that team. AI can do that. No one will take simple,
0: offense. easily
1: available facts that if AI called it and collaborated it, so be it. Yeah, but again, just a little line at the bottom. This, this, this is this, mm-hmm. this, this factoid bubble has been AI generated. That's all you have to say. Mm-hmm. You don't need to create Drew Smith. <laughs> Is
0: one of them named Drew? No, now? sorry, Drew Ortiz. Drew That's Ortiz. A, Drew Ortiz. Well, I hope with the fake staff they created, at least there was diversity there, right?
1: Yes, yes. Well, Sora Tanaka. There you go. Yes, absolutely. They went above and beyond, right?
0: At underscore Clint B underscore, he's a Blue Jays prospect writer. He says from Ken Rosenthal's latest, maybe it will end Morosi's radio hits on this. Yeah, John uh, Morosi has been doing quite a few hits out there on the um, potential for a Bo or even a Vladdy Guerrero trade. Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic reports that the Blue Jays are getting calls on both Bo Bichette and Vladdy Guerrero. Mm-hmm. But he adds that it makes no sense to move the either of these guys while you're in the Otani sweepstakes. And it came out yesterday and that one of Otani's priorities, if not his top priority, is a winning organization. It's right. an organization that is aspiring to win the World Series as soon as possible. Now both those players, Vladdy and Bichette, are two years from free agency. And you do wonder whether the gambit here now is can we get Otani? And if we can't get Otani, do we need to remake the ball club?
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you get Otani, I'm not you, saying you that's a, either
0: or like they they could very well run back Bichette Guerrero and add and see if that's good enough but it sounds like the Otani piece is going to have to be the first domino to drop here before anything else goes on yeah and that makes sense and that may include free agents Blake because when you're looking at a potential half billion dollar contract I'm not necessarily sure you're out there spending big on other guys until you get an answer yay or nay from the Japanese dual star. And then down in Seattle, Feinsand, Mark Feinsand, um, did a piece on The Athletic on one potential trade candidate from each team. He lists Mariners first baseman Ty France and reports the team tried to trade him at the deadline. There's two more years of club control here if anybody thinks he can bounce back to his form a couple of years ago. Or I believe he was an all-star. Uh, also out there with regards... To the ends, Bryce Miller and Brian Wu, two of the fine young rookie pitchers that they brought up this year, may well be the pieces they are dangling to improve their offense. As we know, the Mariners have that fantastic rotation, so depth in starting pitching may well allow them to trade either Miller or Wu, two teams that are being identified as lining up well With the Mariners are the St. Louis Cardinals, although St. Louis went off and signed Sonny Gray, a good starting pitcher yesterday. Um, Is that Nolan Gorman, the fine third baseman? Is that Maple Ridge's Tyler O'Neal, perhaps, back to the franchise that drafted him in the M's? And the Baltimore Orioles, who have a cache of terrific young prospects, uh, offensive players, um, hitters. So there may well be a Wu or Miller deal to be made with St. Louis or Baltimore to up Seattle's offense from last year. And, of course, they're on the uh, market for a third baseman. So Gorman makes sense there because of the um, trade of Suarez.
1: At MLS underscore... PR Major League Soccer today announced the 2023 MLS Best Eleven presented by Continental Tire, which recognizes the league's top players at each position as determined by members of the media, MLS players, and MLS club technical staffs. Missing from this top eleven, mm. remember, like they were the talking working about class MVP, right? So uh, he's Ryan Galt. He's in conversation with all the best for the MVP award, but can't. Even crack, crack this. the best 11? Who are the players at his position, and what are which one would you quibble with? And that's the thing, is it's at each position. So you do have to take that into account, that he's not going to be competing with uh, former cap Tim Parker, for instance, who uh, gets the uh, nod as a defender. Um, Good for Tim. But Tiago Almada, um Lucho Acosta, uh Hani Mukhtar, I mean it depends on Hector Herrera I mean you can move some of these guys around because again, in soccer you're kind of fluid, right? Like you play in several different several spots. Or, Yeah. So you know, Ryan Gall played as a striker a lot of the second half of the season so what is he? Well you can move it around if you're dead set on having that guy being honored by this honor and um, yeah, he still couldn't find his way in so Call Ryan Gold robbed of yet another honor here this season. Well, and Canadian MLS sides also robbed. Yep.
0: When it comes to MLS. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Uh, Lastly, for me here at Softy KJR, Dave Softy Mahler. (whistles) Friday is the biggest game ever between Washington and Oregon. Is it also the biggest Pac 12 game ever? Well, it stands to reason they are in the Pac-12 championship game from Las Vegas. Never before has the Pac-12 title game had two teams ranked in the top five or top six in it. That will be the case. Now, if Washington wins and completes an undefeated season, they are going to the college football playoff. If Oregon wins, they should go to the college football playoff. But people down in that state are starting to get the heebie-jeebies because... Alabama plays Georgia. If Alabama wins, and that would be the first loss for two-time reigning national champion Georgia all year, there's a possibility that both of those teams go to the playoffs. If Michigan and Florida State complete undefeated seasons, and both are, well, Michigan's a heavy favorite against Iowa, in their conference championship games, they're absolutely going. At least that's what people
1: think. Washington can't squeak in. So Washington gets in. With a win and
0: is out with a loss. That much is clear. A single loss and they are out. A single loss and Washington is out. Um, because of the
1: strength of schedule?
0: Well, because they would have lost the game to Oregon. Now, they beat Oregon earlier in the year yeah. by a field goal.
1: So, like, how does Oregon win this one with a loss on their record get in? Well, Oregon... Uh, this is why I hate the college Well, around. exactly. So, here's Oregon's route.
0: Georgia beats Alabama and they win the game. They beat Washington, they're in. There's they yeah. don't need to sweat. Yeah. But in a scenario where Alabama upsets Georgia, there will be a lot of voters who look at it and go, Alabama and Georgia are two of the best four teams in the country. Yeah. And may kick Oregon to the side. There's even scuttle bet that an undefeated Florida State team could be left out because their star quarterback got hurt a couple of weeks ago. They have not looked good since. And there is a segment of the committee that, uh, a criteria of committee that votes in terms of how do you look right now? How are you playing right now? But bottom line, this is the biggest Pac-12 game ever. And sadly, it is the last Pac-12 game ever. After this game, the conference disbands. Washington, Oregon, UCLA, and USC join the Big Ten other conference schools join other conferences back east and poor oregon state and washington state are left to fend for themselves
1: they're going to be independents, really
0: well no they're joining a uh, smaller conference really yeah well that's the world they're in right now they don't drive the revenues they're not in the big markets and so they're linking up with other sort of smaller schools in the. But
1: there's a world in which Washington loses this game. Mm-hmm. Both teams are what eleven and one at that point. 12 and 12 one, and, 1, and, and both, both miss.
0: Both miss. Correct. There is that world. Yes. Again, West Coast bias. Well, East Coast bias. Yeah. Um, such as uh, such as life in college football, which yeah. is why four of these teams are going to right. join power yeah. conferences back east, and that's hashtags for today.
1: So get some price from wall center presentation applewood auto group applewood nissan in richmond to the richmond auto mall i'd love you to come by and check out the nissan rogue it's their best seller get behind the wheel of one take one for a test drive you'll find out why just takes all the boxes you can find one from 3.99 percent right now or maybe you uh, cast an eye over to the electric revolution how about the nissan leaf rates from 5.99 percent whatever you decide it's all good Apple.
0: Poll question today. Will Andre Kuzmenko reach 20 goals this season? Yes or no? You can vote at Sikerson Price on Twitter and YouTube. Joined now by the former executive producer, Hockey Night in Canada, the co-host of the Bob McCowan Podcast. Always great to catch up with John Shannon. And uh, if you notice, Coach Talk, it's a little ornery here this week.
3: <laughs> well, a little bit, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: losses to san jose will do that to you although the sharks won again last night they beat washington so looking better and better with age well
3: well, and when you look at it yeah the first was at the first 12 or 13 games they were out of sorts and then those two debacles against the canucks and the penguins that really set everything uh a flurry in, in 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 san jose mike greer had a team meeting and all of a sudden the team started to play better so yeah uh, they they're, they're still professional hockey players. There's lots of pride in San Jose, so it's not as embarrassing in November to have lost to the Sharks in October. How's that? Well, especially especially at home
1: too. At home, their home record is now five six and two. Yeah, like, that's that's very totally that's fine. very respectable for a bad team. Absol- that's totally absolutely. fine. Absolutely.
0: I mean, there were years with the Canucks where they would have died for a close to five hundred record at home. Yeah, at home. Yeah. Um, what did you make of the Kuzmenko benching?
3: Well, I, you know, I, I think it's a it, it's a, a, a consideration to um, trying to prove a, 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 you know, a point. And we've seen this around the league. You know, I mean, Kuzmenko benching is not near as dramatic as Goudreau and Line a benchings and non dressings. But it's 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 the last resort a coach has. If the coach, the coach can't trade him. Uh, the guaranteed money's there. The only thing that, you know, the staff can do is say, listen, are you not, if you're not going to listen to us, you're not going to play. Um, and um, in in my mind, what Rick and the, and, and the guys are doing are playing playing with house money. When you have a record like the Canucks do, you got you're playing with house money and you better do it our way or, or you're not going to play. And I, I think it was as simple as that. I mean, in, in the end, you know, I, Kuzmenko has not really delivered. I think a lot of what people thought he would do. You know, particularly given the opportunity to play with Pedersen and and uh, and 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 the and the other and the other Russian winger. Excuse me for forgetting his name. That be former Trump. Former Makayev. Yes. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I know I, you guys getting...
0: ignore things once they
3: leave Toronto, no, but it was... No, here, no here's, <laughs> the, here's the fascination. I always used to get Mikheyev and Engval mixed up all the time. And they're not even the same nationality, so that's how bad it was. But Mikheyev, you know, and Mikheyev has coming, and, and, and I think impressed with his speed and obviously Pettersson's Pettersson. So, you know, Kuzmenko had to improve his play and had to pull his weight on that line, and he and he didn't. And and so I, I don't... To me, it wasn't surprising because as 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 whirling dervishy as he is, he, he, you know, he wasn't really providing the offense they expected him to do.
1: Well, especially not in the way that that we expected as well. Like, And, and th- we've got the receipts on this. I mean, even though he had the spectacular bottom line last year, it's not how we expected him to score goals. We He's got a good shot. Right. We thought that he'd be shooting and scoring not tipping and tapping which is what he was doing um to get to 39 last season so um you know he he didn't shoot a lot he doesn't shoot a lot you know so you wonder if if perhaps he can have a bit of a uh, an aha moment there and realize that you know he should try shooting a lot like brock does but,
3: but to me this relates back to what this coach says and what the previous coach said and I would I would submit that Kuzmenko would probably be much more effective under a non-structured system like Bruce Boudreaux, as opposed to one that has a lot more structure like Rick Tockett's does.
1: Yeah, potentially. Um, in the meantime, you, you could also say that as Pedersen goes, so goes Kuzmenko. And... Yeah. we're all looking around going what is up with Elias Pettersson and people outside this market might think that's crazy considering he's a top 10 scorer, but we've known from the start, this just doesn't look like normal Elias Pettersson right now. And that might be as big of an issue with Kuzmenko as Kuzmenko is with Kuzmenko.
3: I, I think I followed that. Um, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, uh, Yes. But you know, it's a long season and uh And the the tribulations and the trials that a team goes through, even after the great start the Canucks have had, is is something that, you you know, I'm prepared to give Elias Pettersson as much slack as he needs because we know in the end he's going to deliver. We know over an 82-game schedule there's going to be ups and downs. Um, And you're not going to perform at that level that he and Quinn Hughes did for the first 15 or 16 games of the season. You're just not. Um, and so there are, there, those lulls are going to be natural parts of a hockey season.
0: Um, moving on from the Vancouver Canucks, what the heck is going on with Corey Perry in Chicago?
3: You know, um, I don't, like I, like, I don't want this to become TMZ. Um, but I don't know. And I don't think mm-hmm. I, I, and and quite frankly, in, in, in in, in uh, taking phone calls and texts about it, I don't think very many people know. No, if, I
1: mean that must be the case because things leak eventually here, John. And the fact that they've kept the lid on this is pretty impressive, actually.
3: Yeah, but I'm I, you know it, it, it is concerning though that some of the stuff that is out there that you know is just trash. It's just trash, and 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 that fact that it gets any traction um, is disappointing. I. It's one of those ones where, you know, the, it's the Chicago Blackhawks. Okay. And the, the Blackhawks don't have it have the, the shiniest of reputations. No. Um, even though it's a different administration and a different bunch of guys, a different bunch of people in the organization running things. The one thing that I would say is I do think the Blackhawks as an organization understand that now, um, and I think Danny Wirtz and and, and and Kyle Davidson understand that, and they have they have to put themselves at a higher standard for everything and anything. What they haven't done is is the same issue that got the Blackhawks in trouble from 2010 to 2016 was being proactive and transparent. And you know you you, you really can't you can ask, ask for and demand for transparency, but when you don't really know where the, where the story is and what the story is, it's difficult to respond. Well, they should be transparent, but perhaps it perhaps guys, it's none of our business. Perhaps if it's the, something that is none of our business.
0: Yeah. Uh, very well could be the case. If the uh, salacious rumors that are out there, as you say, are trash or untrue, does it, do the Blackhawks have to come out and deny it or say something? And, you know, of course,
3: I yeah. that I am sure that is a meeting that is being ha- happened at United center right now. What do mm-hmm. we do? How do we do it? How do we approach it for all involved? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I, I think that, you know, quality organizations are proactive quality or- organizations are transparent. They don't necessarily tell you much, but they try to keep you within the proper parameters.
1: John, I'll say this, like in today's world of mental health, uh, you know, being recognized far better than it was 25 years ago in this league. um, I think if this is a, a, as you say, something that we just don't need to know about, like generally organizations just say uh, he's away from the team for uh, on personal matters and we appreciate uh, privacy, yada, yada. They made no such statement. They they said it's an organizational decision, which leads us to believe that it's a disciplinary issue. Which I think fans do deserve some transparency about, given a, especially this organization. You say it's a personal matter. I think everybody respects that and, and 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 is hands off. You say it's an organizational decision. You're pouring gasoline on the flames. I think.
3: Yeah, and, and then yet yeah, you read what Pat Morris from Newport Sports says and says that it's Corey Perry that has stepped away, and Cor- you know now you've got two different explanations for right. the same occurrence. Yeah, you know it's it's difficult to to manage, and then and then what happens is is that they they give they give these stories a chance to fester and to grow and to become urban myth more than anything else. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah.
0: Well, I'm um, I'm reminded of Sydney Crosby's rookie season, and when the Penguins became aware that there were influences around Sydney that weren't always the most positive, they acted quickly to make sure. Uh, that Sydney was insulated, and I would think the same applies here to Connor Bedard. As for uh, with regards to Blake's question about mental health, uh, we both remember when Rick Rippen would miss games here in Vancouver with yeah. absolutely no explanation. Now, at the time, the Canucks were in the extraordinary PR hands of T.C. Carling, and Al Vinia was very well drilled on what to say and what not to say. And I can remember walking back from a Canucks game one day after Rick Rippen had been mysteriously scratched and seeing him having dinner with Kevin and the and his family. And I went to them and said, guys, like what happened here? You told us he wasn't well. And then of course, back then we weren't thinking in terms of mental, mental health. health. We were just thinking in terms of physical health. And of course, eventually Rick bravely came on out and um, told the Canucks public, yes. the hockey public, um, everything that he was going through. And of course that has, turned into a legacy pursuit here uh, with the Vancouver Canucks first with mind check and then foundry. So uh, we will continue to await information there on Corey Perry as it becomes available. Teen Evison's a pretty good coach, John Um, is this bill Guerin saying this season's not lost and we need the new coach bounce. Is this the owner just bloody mad with what has happened here in the Minnesota wild start? And what do you think? Does John Hines have a chance of getting them back into this.
3: I don't get a sense that this is an ownership thing. I do get a sense that Billy Guerin's looking at the Western conference standings and saying, you know, we only have five victories, but we're not that far out of the playoffs and you need that. You need the bump. You know, I I think that that's what happened in Edmonton as well. They needed, they felt they needed the bump to get back into it. Um, It would, if this was an Eastern conference team in a, in a similar scenario, maybe it would have, maybe it'd be a different answer. But the West is, you know, is, is tracking not near as, uh, uh, as dominant as, as the East. And there's some volatile playoff positions. I mean, I don't have the standings right in front of me, but I think Seattle's in the second wild card, and they're under 500. Um, so the magic number used to be 95. Well, if the magic number is 89 or 90 this year in the West, um, you know, the Minnesota Wild, the Edmonton Oilers, still have a chance to, to get themselves back into a position of being 500 by the, you know, by the, uh, the calendar year ends uh, or the all-star break, and then we'll see what happens. But you, you knew Dean, and you knew the writing was on the wall for Dean when, when he started to create some messaging with the local media talking about players' contracts and how much money they make. You know, that's those are desperate lines trying to have desperate measures. So when he really called out Matt Boldy as as he did and talked about that big contract that Boldy signed for eight years and making big money, including nine, seven, five next year. And Boldy has not really played very well. Then you knew that there was a disconnect. And that's exactly what Bill Guerin, I'm sure, felt, too, that they had to change something. As for John Hines. You know I you know I'm sure Billy and John uh, knew each other pretty well in their time in the Pittsburgh organization for Jimmy Rutherford Heinz being in Wilkesbury Pennsylvania in the American League and Billy being an assistant general manager um, so there was some uh, familiarity there and uh, if there's some structure that can that Einz can, can bring in the short term then then and good for him but it's going to be an uphill line caprioel Kaprizov, has where I don't know where he is. they've got bigger issues than one or two players. They just can't score goals. Bruce Boudreaux went a different direction.
1: Um, He he actually kind of defended the guy that replaced him, for heaven's sakes. I mean, if you don't have goaltending in defense, you don't have anything. The coach always gets fired. It pisses me off so much. I get so mad. This was Boudreau on the guy that replaced him for heaven's sake. So uh, once again, he sort of gets it that, you know, it's not personal. This is
3: just the easiest thing for an organization to do, right?
0: One of the only levers at their disposal to jumpstart. That's right. Yeah.
3: And, and, you know, we we talk about structure. We talk about analytics. But in the end, this is an emotional sport. And all the athletes, when they hear a new voice, maybe the same message. But they hear a new voice, maybe they perk up a little bit.
0: Yeah. Incidentally, it's the Calgary Flames of all teams on the second wild card, slightly. Oh, after the victory animals. last night. After oh the victory goodness. last night. That's right. But you're quite right, uh, John. The East and what it's going to take versus the West and what it's going to take to make the playoffs. If you extrapolate from here, these are two different, two different, two different animals. Yeah. The thing that's interests me about Minnesota is Garen is very, very active. He likes to make moves. And I do wonder whether you're going to see him try and fix this team with trades next. Because if the team can't be fixed shortly, especially with the Souter and Parisi cap hits still lingering on their cap for next season, you do wonder whether this is moving a little closer to a rebuild if things don't get rectified in the immediate term.
3: Well, I, well or maybe this and, 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 I think we expected, I think a lot of us expected the wild to be like this last year Mm -hmm. because of the exact thing you're talking about, Matt. I mean, almost, I think it's just over 14, between 14 and $15 million in cap penalties because of Zach Prese and, and Ryan Suter's contracts, which by the way, Bill Guerin did not sign, but he took the hit for in, 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 in buying them out. Um, Perhaps last year was the outlier, and this is the real team. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, you, you know, these guys in these positions, are, are, they're human too, and they, they might have got fooled by some of their players the way they played last year. Yeah. Maybe some of the decisions they made in the offseason to get, get rid of guys like Matt Dumba, not signing him long-term, maybe that's affected things as well. They're, um, they're in tough. They're, they're in tough. Uh, they have a loyal fan base. Um, and I suspect that that word rebuild is going if, to, if something doesn't happen quickly, and I don't know why, and quite honestly, I don't know why it would, I don't know mm-hmm. why it would happen quickly, then I suspect that we will start hearing that rebuild word a lot quicker in Minnesota than people realize.
0: Well, because one of the things they have the luxury of is they already have a pretty nice collection of young players there. So it yep. may not be the long-term rebuild. I mean, you look at, I know Boldy struggled, but Boldy and Rossi and Faber, and of course, in the minors, they have Walsted, the fine goaltender, and some others. So, yeah, uh, that's going to be an interesting um, situation to watch.
3: Well, and look sure. at the difference between this year and last year with Gustafson being so good last year and Gustafson right. being a phantom this year.
0: Yeah. Not to mention, you know, with you know Mark andre Fleury, if he can get his game back together, Zuccarello, some of the older pieces there, if they did want to move them, you'd be uh, looking at a, a, attractive returns, I think. In some hey, case. before we
1: before we leave, Flurry, uh, what'd you make of Gate and the fact that he just wore wore the mask anyway, uh, and the NHL just uh, quietly went about their business and didn't do anything about it? Uh, do, do you think the NHL is willing to revisit and uh, look at some of these rules they
3: have? No, I no. don't. Um, no, I, they're I don't. just going to look I think...
1: bad, and they're going to continue to look this bad every time,
3: <laughs> and hope we forget about Gate. Yeah. Um, you know the 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 def, the problem becomes is, and even to the subjective nature, what is is the mask part of the uniform or not? That's the question. Is the mask literally part of the uniform? And here's the thing: uh, at some times uh, it is part of the uniform, but you know when it's a hockey fights cancer mask it's not part of the uniform it's a league promotion so where do you draw the line and I, I think that that and 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 the history of the goalie mask in the game is we have allowed we as a game have allowed a tremendous amount of of personal artistic that's right. merit yeah uh, with that with that actual piece of equipment so if that's the case then Marc-Andre Fleury was well within his right to do what he did and the league probably should not have been as insistent privately. By the way, the league never came out and put, no. said a relief. No, this was all done proactively by Alan Walsh and by Marc-Andre Fleury themselves. Um, uh, and, and, and in the beginning, the Wild were rather uh, neutral about it. But then I think they realized that it was probably in the best interest of their team and their player to be able to do it. So they supported him in the end. Yeah. So but but that becomes the interpretation of what the mask is. You know, is it a pe- part of the uniform or is it not? Is it well, part of your personal preference? Is or is it not? I think it's the latter. It's been proven.
0: again. The league privately uh, encouraged them not to do this, but we haven't heard from the league since. Have we? Did I, I miss it,
3: that? No. And you won't. <laughs> trust me, mm-hmm. you won't. You won't. So you may but hear from don't you, don't you remember, flurry again. Do you remember when, when do you remember when um uh, Oren Coolis and uh, and Lenny Berry own the uh, the, mm-hmm. the Tampa Lightning, and they tried to give Mike Smith the saw, the, the saw mask from the movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was and Oren that was Oren was trying to promote one of his movies, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, the league shut that down rather quickly.
0: Yeah. Uh, lastly, Patrick Kane has a new home. How much will he help the Red Wings, and uh, who's feeling uh, most left at the altar here?
3: I think Florida is. I think Florida expected to be able to do it. I think Carolina really wanted to do something because, you know, Carolina for all their great things, sometimes they lack some goal scoring. Um, so I think those two teams in my mind, and, and perhaps Buffalo too, that perhaps yeah. they thought they had a chance to get a, a favorite son home for a year or two or three. Um, but in the end, the uh, the reuniting of Alex Dabrinkit and Patrick Kane will hopefully – Put more mm-hmm. goals in the, the net for the Detroit Red Wings and get them back into the playoffs. Yeah, and Dallas at a reasonable price for the end of the year. So,
0: and Toronto as well. Do, were they, Dallas uh... was in
3: on it for sure. I don't think. I don't think Toronto was. I think they kicked tires, but I don't. I just don't see the how they could do it. Um, with, without making other surgery, and they and the Maple Leafs have too many other needs. The Maple Leafs no. need to fix the the blue yeah, line before they, they try to find another scoring forward.
1: That Atlantic Division, my Go goodness. Like, like the the senators are basically a 500 team in dead last of the uh, eight teams.
0: It's uh, well, and they um, DJ Smith's got to be careful here now. I think, um, given where they stand, vis to be. Yeah, SEC I hope not. Good. I I, I, I,
3: yeah. I understand what you're saying, Matt. I hope not. You know, he's 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 a good hockey coach. He's a good coach, mm-hmm. and he's good with younger players too. Um, but I'll tell you team. what the fan, the fan base is quickly. uh The fan base there is already starting to push Steos and lower to do some things. Yeah, but well, pushing Dorian to do it didn't take very long, did it?
0: And, and the other thing you say they're in last, but they got four games in hand on Montreal and are four points back. They got five games in hand on on Buffalo. They actually have a positive goal differential with last place, if you can believe that. Great stuff, John. Thank you for the time here today. We'll catch up next Tuesday.
3: Yes, sir. Have a great day.
0: to care some price from Wall Center presentation Applewood Auto Group you can text us 778-402-9680 it's the Great Clips text message inbox
1: Great Clips It's going to be great Oh we're going to put you on East Nose for that Because of the, the one second delay mm-hmm. Grady I, That was dramatic effect Come on Grady Nah Oh I little... don't it's nothing. It's nothing. Thought we had standards here, Grady. I was letting the music breathe. Oh, sure.
0: Something Matt still hasn't figured out.
1: What? Whoa. Shots Whoa. fired out of nowhere. And the hot seat is now yours. I sir. don't
0: let it breathe enough.
1: Usually you wait for the post, the cue, the
0: end. No? Huh. Well, you've heard it. You've heard it. The BC Lions, the Canadian Football League, and the city of Victoria are making a special announcement Wednesday at the Victoria Conference Centre. Commissioner Randy Ambrosie is going to be on hand, as well as Amar Doman, the owner of the BC Lions. Uh, Rick Campbell's going to be there too, Sean White. Paul Nursey, the CEO of Destination Greater Victoria. Very intrigued. Victoria. Color me intrigued. Mm-hmm. Well, with the presence of the commissioner there, I do wonder if it's Grey Cup related. Of course, Just the, the Grey festival Cup of come, some sort, well, maybe? Well, the Grey Cup coming here next year, so uh, we'll see what they have in store. I know a lot of folks on the island will be interested on whether there will be ferry transportation to and from. That's a provincial thing, though. Of, this, is, this is municipal, no, yeah, this is no, city. Fair so enough, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Lions get some offseason business done yesterday. They re-signed quarterback Chase Bryce. He was the fourth stringer this past year, but with Dane Evans and Dominique Davis both being free agents, he could well move up the pecking order there. Uh, as we've talked about, the CFL UFA lists are, are pretty large these days, a lot of one-year contracts. Lions with four receivers, Javon Coutoie, Alexander Hollins, Keon Hatcher, Lucky Whitehead, all UFAs. Both starting defensive ends, Mechia Bads, who is the prime free agent here, Sione Tuiema, Ben Laddock, the fine Canadian middle linebacker from Vernon and UBC, as well as Josh Woods, who filled in very capably for Bola Combo this year. And then the the two guys who started at the field corner, Jalen Edwards, Cooper, and Mike Jones also, free agents, so we'll see if Neil McAvoy and Rick Campbell can Boy. get some of their business done here. And and frankly, Blake, that is a smaller UFA list than some of the others around the CFL. But it's so we impactful talked about players, Winnipeg. Though. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't imagine they will bring Whitehead back. No, I don't think uh, he so really fell, He yeah. really tailed off at the end of uh, the season. He's been hurt a whole lot, but Katoy Hollins, Hatcher, absolutely, you need back. And then, you know, bets Ladek as well. You were terrific yeah. amongst your Canadians. Yeah. Last year, I'd be, um, you know, the field corner. I'm sure you can find one. Uh, Woods would be a nice piece to have back as well. Uh, Two ammo's good, but uh, you know, defensive end, you can you can find some guys there. Let's get to errors and omissions from yesterday's program. Um, Dallas has won 13 games at home. We were talking about this big Thursday nighter against the Seahawks. Every game since their home opener last year, they've dropped that game to Tampa, and they have not lost at Jerry's World since. So 15 months and 13 games since they've lost at home. Wow. Good luck, Gino. Yeah. You said you had a couple as well.
1: Uh, you said that uh, J.T. Miller was back in the lead of the NHL scoring race. So you... I said it was three points off. But well, he's two points off, so still, still wrong. It was thirty-five to thirty-three for Kucherov. No, you you said with his night he was back in the lead. Um, did I? Yeah, quite
0: sure. I said both he and Hughes were. Well, they're only two off anyway, but anyway. they're three off.
1: It's thirty-six to thirty-three. Yeah, but yesterday like it was Kucherov. thirty-five to 30. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, you also said Neil Zaman with our first look at him in Canucks colors. Abbotsford wears the same colors as Canucks. Oh, God. Really? <laughs> yes. Really? Yes. Going there. They wear Johnny Canuck and the Canuck color. Oh, so it's not our first look at him.
0: Uh, poll question results from Monday. Who, what are you most worried about with the Canucks? Kuzmenko, Patterson, defensive depth or other? What won the poll here, Blake? Uh, Petterson. Indeed. Percentage? 41. 42. Very good. Yeah. Really close with defensive depth, which got 41%. Kuzmenko just 15%. Other only got a couple of percent. Uh, write-in candidates here. Jax's team fatigue slash burnout. Inability to keep up that intensity that talk it requires. It's a good shout, given what the um, coach has been messaging He wants wants
1: playoff hockey all the time, which is
0: a lot. It's a Uh, lot to ask. Christian says, confidence through 82 games. This team is still fragile and needs to have that resiliency to pull itself out of the inevitable losing slump. Emers says, defense has struggled recently, especially Cole and Myers, costing us games at times. Roberts says, consistent five-on-five scoring. Time for our Betway bets of the day. And... I'm going to that Thursday nighter in Dallas. I just hate this spot for the Seahawks. Like Dallas is playing such good football right now. Mm-hmm. Seattle isn't. You know, Geno looks banged up. We know Seahawks have been banged up all year. So I'm going to take the Cowboys and lay eight and a half points here. I don't typically love laying eight and a half points, especially on short weeks. But although both these teams played last Thursday. So uh, give me Dallas on my Betway, bet of the day.
1: Uh, I'm looking at uh, Bayern Munich and FC Copenhagen in oh Champions gosh. League.
0: Copenhagen.
1: Yeah. I uh, I don't fancy their chances. No? Um, a whole lot here. So I'm going to take uh, the over-under on just goals for Bayern. Just Bayern goals. I hope you're going high here. Yeah, I am. Taking the over three and a half. Whoa. Four goals. Four spot. Harry Kane. <laughs> 270 <laughs> on over three
0: and a half. The English and French Canadians, both of them hesitant to pronounce the letter H. It's a fine letter. Must be 19 plus to play. Please play responsibly. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder subscribe to us, Rinkwide, and Canucks Conversation wherever you get your podcast. Follow on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.